This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Guys, just before we get started, if you're loving the podcast, can you please go leave us a five-star review on Spotify and please make sure that you subscribe on whatever channel that you listen to us on. It helps us out dramatically. It is okay to lead with feeling and I think that that really distinguishes different types of leaders, the ones that can look at their staff members and say, you need a break, you need help, I know what you're good at, I know you love doing this, let's give you more of that and allowing your team to flourish and then looking at your customers and and saying, okay, you're dissatisfied, how can we do this better, how can we do that better, you know, I think that motion is not something that a textbook will teach you it is something that you intuitively feel and have to lean into and I think as a leader we're often told to you know put those feelings away leave them at home leave the emotion at home and now after you know going through an exit and starting a new business one new learning that I've taken with me is no fuck that Mm. (laughs) I will definitely be leading with my feelings because my intuition is the thing that teaches me where to go it's Mm. the it's the it's the compass really Jenna and Jade, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us again. Well, we tried last time. That was the thing we tried. And I think, Jade, you were sick. Was I it? Remember. I it was the day after my birthday. You were sick. Oh, yes. The virus <laughs> from her. It was literally COVID 2.0. Bedridden. Was it the flu, though? That was that flu. Yeah. And then I got it after the you. The mega flu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got it. I think I think <laughs> I got it two weeks later as well. So Good old influence. We should have done it then and you could have just caught it straight from <laughs> Yeah, me. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm very excited to have you both on together. A lot um, has happened. Yeah, because I've had you both on individually and both of those episodes were great, amazing. Everyone loved it. But I think having you bounce off each other because you're now obviously in business together, yeah. which is really exciting. So we might start there. Big Appetite. What's the 30-second the, the elevator pitch for, for Big Appetite just before we obviously dive into some topics? So at Big Appetite, we're the vehicle for growth for businesses. So we typically work with small to medium-sized businesses and do everything from creating their idea and their offer, their visuals, their personality, um, and we execute it through development and marketing. Bring in your vision to life. <laughs> we do. If the you're heavy hungry lifting. for growth, <laughs> we're aggressive, but we're enthusiastic. So, so we know good. What we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'd love to obviously. I think. The one thing about this podcast is we have obviously people in different stages of business, mm-hmm. but you you're, you both have been in business before and, and obviously now you're launching again. I'd love to find out um, what are the things that you've obviously brought from, say, previous experiences and then is there anything new that you're learning potentially about the market, you know? So is it different to, to, you know, to what it was years and years ago? Mm-hmm. What are the similarities, um, you know, obviously – we're in a different stage, you know, from an economic standpoint as well. So mm-hmm. I'd love to just get an insight into what you've learned, you know, in the process of launching a new business. I think we've both had a very high competitive advantage coming from our previous backgrounds. Like we feel very confident with what we're doing and a lot of it is repetition from from our past, mm-hmm. both in, in a client perspective because we were both consulting mm-hmm. before we started this and also from a personal perspective as well. So I think there's been a lot of competence and a lot of, you know, recognition of, of similarities to be able to feel really confident in the Mm. position but I think for us both like to be totally frank with you there's been just an appropriation of the fact that we're a startup now so coming (laughs) off the high horse a little bit you know I was previously a director of a company with 30 staff it was a multi-million dollar business and now I'm starting again you know (laughs) eating dirt again no but literally (laughs) doing the grunt work a little bit yeah and you know what I can tell you now I'm learning more day-to-day than I did in my final stages of my previous business through just sheer, you know, getting your hands dirty, mm. which is which I think is a takeaway for a lot of business owners. If you want to find out what's happening under the bonnet of your business, get into it, you know, just get your hands That's dirty. That's actually very true, especially when you are hiring to grow, and we spoke about this in previous in our previous episode. You To lead a team, especially in a startup, you want to be able to support them. You need to understand what they're doing and how they're doing it. And, like, don't get me wrong, I have haven't sat in the back end of our of our um, CRM for mm. for a minute or very long at all, but I still understand what it can do and how it works, so that you can effectively lead a team. But I think, like in terms of a market and what I've seen in the market, one thing that will remain unchanged, I believe, is 
human behavior principles, looking mm-hmm. at marketing and, and, and really appealing directly to your consumer. And I think that's something we've always done, especially with our clients in the fitness industry. Jade and I both have a passion and drive for health and fitness. We both have backgrounds in that space. And we've always been really true to their customers' results, whereas um, some businesses are really focused on their customers' sales and um, their customers' look and feel and getting the job done. It's Mm. like we actually want your clients to get a really good result and have a good experience as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, like all businesses, there's a lot of answers in both your problems and your solutions and we're very much experiencing that. Like we've had a crack of six months, um, lots of wins, but also learnings as well. So that's where our, our future kind of sits in looking at both of those like camps. Yeah. I think as well that one I came, I was a sole trader. My previous company, I worked um, really hard and fast and I worked really hard and fast and I was working alone with, with a couple of co- uh, contractors and one full-time employee and Jade on the flip side had a whole team and I know Jade shared that since partnering, her dynamic has sort of shifted in how we've um, not split the business in terms of split our workload but just our strengths are sort of where we originally uh, partnered, we thought we were very similar and strong in, in similar areas and, and it took us a little while, I think my going away as well, to learn what we were actually strong and different in as well. Yeah, so previously in my past relationship, we'll call it, um, Amal was very focused on the operations, the financials, the numbers side of the business um, and the development and anything that was essentially tech related and that seems to be my place in, in our current business, which I mm. think, you know, there's probably merit in some sometimes just as a business owner or even just as an individual in a, in a growing company to actually be quite true to your strengths and, you know, drop the ego and look around you to say, well, who can do this better for the, the benefit of the growth of this company? Mm-hmm. And I think we very much did that at the start as well. We kind of, you know, wriggled into our, um, into our places and, and out of comfort zones, I think. It's super interesting that you say that. And I think that's a really good lesson for people is like, it may not be your core, core, core strength, mm. but mm-hmm. if we look at your, the strengths and weaknesses relative to everybody that we have in the team, you know, like I'm going through something similar at the moment where a lot of mine is about relationship management mm-hmm. um, because, mm-hmm. and, and it is numbers and it is these kind of things and it is managing accounts and it's doing a lot of that stuff. Mm. Now, do I want to be doing that? Probably not long term, but you know, do I have to do it now because I'm the person with the skills to carry out that part of the business? Uh, Yeah, I have to do it. So I think that's like a really cool, um, I guess, lesson for people to learn in a startup is that especially if you're doing it with a small amount of people, like, you know, if you had said that five to six years ago, I probably wouldn't have done it. You know, Mm, it would have been like, no, we're just going to go this direction and going to go that way. Um, I'd love to hear about, obviously, startups are it's chaos. You know, it's, it can be utter chaos. You know what I mean? No, <laughs> we're, we're breaking at the seams here. <laughs> so, so like what, are, obviously you guys are going through it in real time. So I think there's, you can, we, you know, you, you've probably been able to talk it in retrospect before, yeah. but in real time, like what advice would you have for founders, um, you know, around that chaos and how to actually deal with it? Cause I think it's, it's not necessarily, you know, you can try to fix it with systems and processes and so on, but you know, when you're growing at such a rapid rate or you're trying to grow at a rapid rate, they go out the window a lot of the time and it's like, we've got due dates and we've got to get these done at due dates. Yeah. So, so how do people manage that, you know, if they haven't experienced it before? Look, I'll, I think we should acknowledge that. I think having a, a pressure to make money and, and revenue probably adds to the stress. We've been pretty lucky that that hasn't been an issue for us just given the backgrounds and the nature of what what we do we've We've merged two businesses yeah essentially we we had you know knocks on the door which is a great Mm. problem to have so we didn't have that issue so I can sort of respect that there's a a lot of, of core issues that a startup would typically experience but I think that not being one for us meant that there was a lot of things that we had to say yes to and learn later you know I think keeping a customer happy should be at the forefront of your objectives at any given time when, mm. you're, when you're a business owner. And, you know, yes, we can. It, it was sort of um, a, a line that we typically use at the start and still use to this day and work it out later was, you know, our, our primary goal after doing that. So I think, you know, obviously, logistically, sometimes there's issues in doing that. But I think overall, like, you need happy customers when, when you're a, a founder of a startup. And I think that should be the number one objective so we just sort of say yes um, knowing it's within scope scope of work and whatever we learn in that case will be applied tenfold and and obviously better going after that and probably form part of a process Mm. and then we bend over backwards and make sure it's 
done to perfection and then deliver sort of thing. Mm. And that really forces you to find the right people and the right team as well. And I think that's something that that whole say yes thing, it's something we're capable of managing through, especially with Jade's background leading a team. It's But in terms of when we'd actually started, it's like, yeah, we know how to get this done, but we don't know how to do it. And I think it was of probably leaning into that process as well. But I think the other advice that I have for, for people in this the chaos is – Look after yourself. It's really hard. And I was speaking to you about this a little bit before in terms of balance and the new being the new perfection. But we, when you're working with a team, when you're working with people, like it, this is a relationship. And in so many regards, the people that you hire, the contractors that you work with, you have to be a good human. And your stress and your outbursts and the way that you communicate and the way that you manage that stress and sleep at night and the that way you feel about your health, like I said as well in our last episode, like if you're your productive asset, if you are your workhorse, treat yourself like the million dollar resource that you are, you know, and, and make sure that you're looking after yourself so that you can perform under pressure because that was something that I also noticed being answerable to so many people, having so many clients and all of a sudden where I was um, – was most frazzled was sort of like keeping across all these moving parts and honestly it comes down to like mental clarity and energy and being a good human as well Mm. people have to want to work with you and that extends to the team as well I don't think I asked enough times in my previous role to individual staff staff members like are you okay? Are you coping? Are you liking what you're doing? What's the best part about what you're doing? What are customers saying to you on a daily basis? Mm. And I think I've had way more of those touch points like almost even daily now. And I, I, I respect that it's a much smaller team and that makes things a lot easier to do. But going back to what I originally said about a lot of your solutions being in your problems and solutions, that is one, you know, that is a lot of, of problems manifested and solutions manifested that sit within your team. Like they're, they're the chess box for all of that. Mm, there's two parts to that that I want to kind of elaborate on. So I'm going to go on the first one first around, uh, you, you know, balance. And I, cause like, it's such a funny word. Like, you know, mm. we asso- when we obviously say words, it can be associated with Subject something. So like he- it's like healthy. Like, what the fuck Results. is Results. Yeah. <laughs> like, Define I feel that. Because, like, <laughs> like, and I think one of the, the problems, and I'd love to get your take on this, is like, you know, often you can get trapped into thinking that, you know, and that's, I feel like this is where balance, that word balance comes in. It's like there's only one way, you know. So, like, uh, like in terms of, let's say, a morning routine. Like, there's only one morning routine that you can follow and we get that from other people and say social media or Mm. or so on. Whereas like having the confidence to actually understand what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Mm. And then, you know, uh, leaning into, into what does work for you and having the confidence to go with it. You know what I mean? Like, so like the balance side of it is like, you know, um, what I'm trying to get at is like around, uh, morning routines maybe it's your working hours or mm. and we just talked about it before like appropriate for like me I was like I was trying to train in the morning because yeah. I'm like I had people in my ear saying oh no but like you're going to feel so much better in the day and you're going to get more done and I tried it and it may have been the case but the thing that really works for me is training at night mm. yeah and working in the morning and getting up early in the morning and working and it was mm-hmm. like for a long time I was looking at what other people were doing I'm like should I be doing that and yeah. then it's the confidence yeah. to and you to feel shift. bad almost like you see you know like Jade was sharing earlier if you are training at night and you, you're watching your watch and you haven't hit your steps it can make you feel some type of way in the middle of the day and I think I had gone through a period of time where I there's this like rule in my head I'm very like rigid with my structure it's like gotten me through a lot in life and and I context like, Jenna's a bodybuilder by <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. I'm like yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. love structure you know like wake up train um, wake up journal train shower eat breakfast start work like that never changes and I went through a period of time where I was like okay I have to be open to change. I have to be a little bit more fluid because things aren't working anymore around me and I really need to look at my priorities. But then I wasn't happy. Like I wasn't happy if I was waking up and not doing something for myself before I felt like I was serving other people. And although I noticed the silence, which is golden, of 6am on a laptop, I also noticed that like in the afternoon I didn't really want to train and I didn't really want to work because I'd started so early so it's it is about finding what works for you and on that note as well you know before Jenna and I partnered for Big Appetite I was in a period of leave like I, I I wasn't working I was only casually consulting and 
I was a lady of leisure, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I was flogging the gym. Like one of my girlfriends and I were training daily and we were training for, you know, like an hour and a half high intensity. And then we'd go for a coastal walk after this is like three hours of serious movement. And as a result, you know, when I started big appetite, like I'd love to be able to do that. And I could do it at 4am, you know, that can still happen, but it would take a toll on the rest of the day. That was something that I did struggle with. So I do believe what you focus on grows and I am very passionate about training and I love bodybuilding. Would I do another show? Not necessarily the conversation, but like I loved moving. I loved Mm. training five Mm. mornings a week. I loved doing a walk or a cardio session. And then I realized like how many hours in a day, especially if I'm driving to the gym, which is 20 or 40 minutes can be, and then the session and then a walk. And like I had to learn to relax when I wasn't like hitting my steps or doing all these things. And as, as much as I love doing that, what I'm focusing on is business and the growth of our business. Mm -hmm. And it meant clawing back time. And that's like a day's work. If you can cut out, you know, at the time, if you, if you were to compare, say that level of activity on a prep, it's, it is a day's work Mm -hmm. and, and you have to be okay with it. And, And that's when you really sort of have to check in with yourself, which is what I was saying before and say, what am I really, what's really important to me right now? And, and training three to four times a week is healthy. And just going for walks is healthy. Like, that's fine as yeah. well. You know, you don't have to put unnecessary pressure on yourself. I think there's already enough in a startup phase. I think when it comes to balance, there is a bit of an art of compensation. And I think that can also kind of like sift into the business as well. Like, Jenna and I had a conversation this morning where we're under huge pressure at the moment, very high stress. And I just said to her this morning, I said, we know what we can do. We need to now focus on what we need to do and we need to start sorting things out into piles of can wait, absolute necessity, can wait, absolute necessity. So I think that balance can also, you know, personify in in your business and in Mm. your people and in your team and things like that as well because something's got to give, you know. Yeah, and I think balance doesn't – like, so balance doesn't mean – you don't work hard yeah. or you don't put in – it's like, you know, balance is finding what works for you, finding – it's that constant journey of finding and your routine of and your structure and so that you can execute to the absolute max. Yeah. And checking in with yourself, like, I can't remember who it was, if it's Ryan Holiday or James Clear, but is this necessary? It's such a powerful question to, to ask yourself because the pressure that we put on ourselves, there's like, you know, there's your to-do list then there's your must-do list and then there's like probably actually what you really need to do. And and, and I, some of those things on your to-do list, if you didn't do them, it really doesn't matter. And it also can affect, you know, your personal life and how you're, how you're living and what you're working on. Just asking yourself, is this a necessity mm-hmm. right now for what we're just currently trying to achieve? Because there's only one of you. You know, there's only ever going to be one of you. And and even in partnering with someone who's pretty similar, mm-hmm. um, that, that's that's something that you really do have to ask yourself. Yeah. Don't just tick boxes, mm. you know, like like think think about what you're actually doing. Um, and yeah. then the second part to that was you kind of talked about saying yes and learning later or building the processes later or, you know, and the system. At what point does that – do you have to shift that mindset, do you think? Because you've both been in businesses before, right? Well, I think you can never stop learning, but I think things get a heck of a lot easier when you've done it a few times around. So that mm. means, you know, even going back to appropriation in my old business, you know, we were online coaching and that hundredth client was dealt with completely differently to that first client, you know, and the same goes for, for our business as well. Um, there is a starting point for every business, for every process, for every – product or service there is that first one I remember when I was in silicon and um the founder of twitter was like you know you if you don't laugh at your very first version <laughs> of your app you're doing something wrong yeah. because it won't be your last mm. and you know I even look at the first version of the first tech product I ever built and it, it was laughable now in comparison to how it stands today so I think process evolves just as much as product and service evolves as well so in time your process will be less guesswork and it will be more accuracy in in what you're delivering I think you start saying no when you you really have truly defined what you want to be known for and it's important to also know it's more so with the clients that you're taking on not what you the solution is that you're providing I think it's really important to know who you are and who you are talking to but 
as important to know who you are not and who mm. you are ignoring. And I think often in um, trying to grow a startup, you just say yes, yes, yes to all these clients because you obviously are um, revenue focused. But really, like, what are your strengths? Do you like this client group or this industry? Do you enjoy this kind of work? And why are you doing it if you don't? If you said, um, like, to say no to something is saying yes to something else. So if you said no to that client, mm. you can put your effort in it and energy into sourcing another one in the group that you like to work with. We see it a lot with online coaches in the health and fitness space that we predominantly work in, whereby, you know, it's a, it's a universal service, right? Like, everyone wants to achieve some sort of fat loss, muscle mm. gain, or weight management goal. And you can work with anyone. However, in time, when I guess choice becomes that luxury that you can, you know, um, just go with I think people start saying yes to maybe a minority and then call that their niche and specialty and that's what they go after predominantly and then they end up saying they want to work with a different client group and I'm like because you've taken on so many of of x like you get what you give right so the results that you're pumping out are from the clients that you're taking on because you said yes so many times that now the business that you actually want to work that makes you happy you don't have because you never learned to say no at the start. Mm. Yeah, I feel like there's like a certain point, you know, like where saying yes to everything becomes a negative or it, it you know, um, affects the operations in the company negatively. And, yeah. and so like David Sachs, the, he's a co-founder at PayPal, but he talks about having like an operational cadence and it's kind of like a, a philosophy, you know, so it's not necessarily the rules, but it's like how we operate, you know, we have like a philosophy and we kind of mm. fundamentally, this mm. is how we do quarter to quarter. Mm. And I feel like once you get to a point where you have to think about that, you actually have to think about, well, say, how does saying yes to this affects our, affect our operations? So it's just one of those interesting things that I think like eventually there's a point where, you, you know, you have to start looking at the yes or no question and yeah. how does that affect, you know, th- the, the operational cadence. I think saying yes to everything and saying yes to everyone are kind of, two camps of, of mm-hmm. situations mm-hmm. that you've got, you know, market and, you know, delivering a good service is probably like... Well, you could also argue that it's like you're still saying yes by saying no to the clients you don't want to work with. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're saying yes to your vision. Mm. You're saying yes to being true to your values and you're just saying no to those clients, mm. you know? Mm. Mm, definitely. All right. So if this is a question I was excited to ask because I, I love both of your brains, but I want to see how they, they mesh together and kind of build a product. But um, if I was a new client and I was coming to you and I said, hey, I want to grow my business, what what's the process that you go through? Um, and, and what are some of the big questions that we have to answer in order to obviously get that growth? So, um, you know, uh, and, and we're talking more like fundamentally, you know, mm-hmm. rather than the process you go through, what are the principles that you go, okay, these are the things that we need to make sure we got in order in order to make sure that we actually can grow? I think the first three fundamentals are what are you doing, who are you doing it for, and mm. why are you doing it? I think mm-hmm. they're the, the fir- that's the first place to start. From there, you'll usually extract founder's vision, which is hugely important. I don't really see many people today that say, I just want to make money. And I think that's always a not workable kind of vision to have. Mm. Like, I think you usually mm. have passion in founders, which I think is, is... You get found out pretty quick if that's, pretty, that's yeah. your agenda. You yeah. lo- well, you know, I reckon you lose your drive at and some point. community connection. Yeah. yeah. That, that retention, the strategy for, for retention, community and community building. Definitely. You just lose it when there's no heart. Definitely. It's surprising on the what are you doing sort of piece how many people don't actually know what they're offering and they they don't they haven't actually looked at their service and said you know well what's this without that and what's this without that if you're doing a weekly check-in you know how accountable are you for your clients nutrition or their training or their this or their that are you doing a midweek check-in reviewing a food diary or you know little bits and pieces so I think we really kind of unpack the actual service and its viability as well and also its scalability which then comes into the how are you doing it sort of thing and Mm. looking at that client process you know often in time some some clients will tell us like our clients will jump on this platform to chat to us they'll get their thing from this and then Mm -hmm. they'll go to this to do that and we're like whoa let's streamline that shit you know yeah I think that's something that is really underestimated or undervalued when working with 
business coaches or, or looking for the right partner for you to grow your business and that is maximizing income producing activity there's so much effort and attention that goes into brand style guides and colors and social assets and content that you're creating but really like what we need to look at how much does it cost you to service a client how much time does it cost you to service a client and the profitability like what you're banking at the end of the day is a percentage of your dollar and and the ways that we can service more clients for every hour that's coming through your business and then of course Retain. it's just yeah increasing the capacity of the business is really what we do um, we get under the bonnet really quick with that so that we can establish the right tech solution the right dev solution for the client and then we move into marketing and then sometimes you'll see so many holes uncovered in this process as well like founders are so focused on new business it's like well why is your current business leaving yeah like <laughs> why why do you have a churn rate that is like through the goddamn roof that's the know? easiest that's the easiest problem yeah. to fix and and you know in that as well like you've got 250 clients with a referral program that 250 can double your business overnight like, yeah. let's go there little bits and pieces there but essentially in the unpacking process that's really where it starts is like what are you doing how are you doing it and like what's, I would what's say for a small business that is the most underrated way to grow like if you had 50 clients and they didn't leave and they all bought a friend and that happened every month or every quarter, you would not be able to facilitate that growth fast enough. And I think there's so much obsession with leads and awareness and, and those sorts of metrics where really your customer satisfaction is at the forefront of why. It's, it's validation. Mm. It's, it's validation that your service works. So you should continue to always refine that as well. I remember um, we got listed in my previous business for the Deloitte Fast 50 and we had a 987% growth in our revenue. And there was so many questions like, how did you do it? How did you do it? And we felt like little fraudsters. We're like, we just have a loyalty program and a referral program. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it was generally just driven on word of mouth and very, very organic growth. Like there was no fancy paid strategies that were targeting particular mm. segments. Yes, of course that came, but overall the business was hugely successful because we valued our people and then we multiplied our people with our people that were happy. That comes back to what we said before when you were asking, like, what have we learned in, in coming together in a new market? And we said human behavior principles. Like, there's tactics for marketing and strategies, but the key principle is keeping your customers happy. And that's mm. just pr the proof is in the pudding. Mm, definitely. Mm. So there's, there's kind of two elements there that I wanted to touch on um, that, that I found really interesting. The first one was you talked about obviously one of the first things you do is uh, you know make the product more scalable or how can we deliver it to more people and i think that's obviously when we talk about growing a business you know a lot of the time people say that you know in order to get to your first million you have to spend 80 percent of your time on sales and marketing but i feel like that can be misconstrued at times because people then just go and spend 80 percent of their time on marketing and sales and they just leave their product there that sucks mm. and mm -hmm. you know isn't actually delivering the result so it, and, and obviously you, you guys mentioned that what you do is you look, instead of going to sales and marketing first, you actually look at how the product's delivered and see, hey, can we find more time here? Mm -hmm. You know, can we deliver the same level of product or if not better, but actually, you know, um, still create more time for sales and marketing, you know, through automation or mm -hmm. tech and, and, you know, and so on. So it was, is that... Is that kind of correct in the way that I'm saying it? Yeah, definitely. And I think also making sure you're happy with your product. So when you come to us, it's a really good opportunity just to give everything. If you have an existing business, it's a really good opportunity just to audit where you're at. And that's where qualitative and quantitative customer data and feedback mm. is so important you're frequently asked questions yeah and then, and i was look, gonna i was yeah. gonna say that like obviously your numbers tell you one thing but i think talking to the customer service rep in a business or most times that's the founder wearing a million different hats mm -hmm. it's like what do people predominantly ask you when they sign up and they're like oh they can't find the payment page or they mm. can't do and it's like well we're going to stop answering that question every day. Let's make sure that this button, this call to action is like right there and then. Mm. But just that discovery of what are people asking you, that's where they're stuck along the way. And even for us, you know, we had people that were asking for, you know, templates and what do you do with, th with this? What do I do with my existing clients when I'm launching this new product? So then from that, we created a migration strategy. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like it's, it's very much process driven based on the questions people ask you. Mm. So I was doing this meditation the other day. I was really stressed when we were launching and I lay on my office floor and I'm lying on the floor, like flat on the floor, which technically is not how you're supposed to meditate.
meditate apparently. And the the guy introduces the meditation by saying, you know, most people meditate looking for answers, but if you have to ask the question, then you already have the answer. And I was like, imagine saying that to a client but it's so funny because honestly when you do look at a business the answers you seek are within you you just have to be trained to look for them and and your success leaves clues your customers will tell you when they're not happy your happiest and your unhappiest customers are your greatest asset because they're not afraid to tell you what's wrong they're not scared to ask for more or to tell you how to improve and having that relationship is so helpful yeah and that's when coming back to the product, you have a really good opportunity to say, okay, let can we enhance this? Can we improve it? Do we love this? Does it align with our brand values, our identity and our vision and our mission? And then when we really know that we're ticking the boxes of getting the, your customer result, whatever mm. that result is, making them happy, um, that's when we then really get under the bonnet of the business. Mm. Yeah, mm, Beautiful. And the other one was, so we talked about what are you doing and who are you doing it for? Which one comes first? What's, you know, so... so who? 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 Yeah. Don't find people for your products. Find products for your people. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, because I, I, like obviously, um, I feel like that's what you can do a lot of the time when you start a business. You know, I know probably I did it in the early days. Like, you have this kind of set product in your head, and then mm. you go out and you start trying to find people that will buy it, and and then you kind of get attached to this product rather than okay. And and the next question was going to be around how do we find product market fit? So. So um, obviously something that I've been noticing with and with businesses that really take off and you would have experienced it with Equolution is like finding an unserved market, what, you know, how they are currently unserved or is there a, you know, a lack of service there? And sometimes it can be the way you deliver a product. Sometimes it can be the way you communicate mm-hmm. and brand a product and, mm-hmm. and kind of create the tone of voice around the product. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, that was kind of something that I was going to ask is like, you know, which one comes first? And then can we talk a little bit about how you do find product market fit and what that feels like and looks like when you're actually in a business? I think, um, you know, just on that word feels like, I think that is like a key driver in, you know, a lot of things personally that I've, I've done. And I know Jenna's the same, like we've had a lot of commercial opportunities knock at our door, but I think the things that we've dived into being, you know, business one and business two, are problems that we've had that we wish we had this we were the solution mm. back then you know and I, I think that that um, empathy for your target market through just that sheer being able to resonate I think that really solidifies that you've got a solution for your problem when you can feel the problem and you can feel your solution you know mm. I think that really goes sort of like a long way my first business I was we were our first customers we lost a collective 50 kilos through flexible dieting we're like the world needs to know about this before the world knew about it and every man and their dog were doing flexible dieting you know that is so I think I th- and even now you know I, I've said time and time again you know I, I've I was a founder once. I was a, a vulnerable, inexperienced founder. And if I had a, a, a service like what Jenna and I offered, life would have been a lot easier. So, so much I so. I think product market fit, it also goes like a long way finding that to feel that I think as well like validation so obviously Mm. it's problem and solution selling classic what's the problem Mm. what's the solution you know there's a reason that you can walk into chemist warehouse and buy vitamins that say joints because they know that that's the problem it doesn't Mm. really matter what's in it and I think um people have a big idea they get really excited by their big idea but I really think what's missed a lot is what's in it for them like what problem are you really solving and then in terms of finding product market fit, like knowing that you've got it, it's about looking what – does anyone else offer this? Mm. How do they do it? Are there any gaps in the market, anything that I could do differently? And then how are they selling it? Like really knowing your, your customer and positioning it correctly. Which sounds so cliche, but in actual fact, there's so many people that look at competitors and don't see gaps. They see an, uh, an opportunity to copy. Scarcity mindset. That was going to be my question. So like – because I think there's a really great answer laying there is like, what's a gap? You know, because a gap isn't just, oh, you know, this product's already been done a thousand times. A gap could be like, you know, like I look at someone like James Smith. He found a gap because everyone was talking about science in this real scientific way. And then he'd come in and was just like... Mm-hmm. You've just fucking, hit the nail. You know what I mean? You've, like, so that's like, like, so what is a gap? You've just hit the nail on the head. Messaging. 
Yeah. It's your messaging. People don't know what you do that in, until they know how much you care. So yeah. they, know, they don't know what's in, what your service entails until they've signed up, really. And what your service, like your features and benefits are largely indifferent from your customers, so um, from your competitors. So that's where the messaging is so powerful and, and how you communicate and, and, and using their language. So he, I don't know, like I wouldn't go as far as to say he found a gap. He found a market. He went to the gem pot masses. He wasn't, he wasn't looking like a bodybuilder he wasn't coming out too structured he was using a language that they understood and even even from a tech perspective you know getting the product reviews of your competing mobile apps and even products you know jump on Mm. websites and and google reviews and and read those bad reviews why were people unhappy what what were they looking for that this particular product or service did not provide in in a solution and i think the answers really you know I love what we do and I always credit us for being quite good at what we do, but I'm going to say it's quite simplistic when you know what you're looking for sort of thing. And I think for a lot of founders, um, a lot of operators, the answers are right there. But on that, I do want to say if I took my car to Mercedes Benz because I knew something was wrong with it, they'd be like, oh, that's that's the yeah, problem that's like true. you know that's what I true. mean so yeah it's so easy for us to go it's so easy yeah. it's in front of you I would not know the first thing about that and that's I'm sure true. they would yeah yeah 100% <laughs> that's, that's really true but I, I what I'm I think what I'm trying to say mm. is not to not to discredit I guess what we, we do or anything like that. <laughs> it's so easy you but, could but you do don't it. you don't need to go far you know, to, to really seek, like... It's the skills, right? It's the one thing. It's just get... If you sell one product, if that's your horse, back it Mm. and refine it, you know, and do everything you can to just improve its fitness. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think it's, like you said, it's like the skills, right? So, or the the, the knowledge that you have goes a long way. So, like, there's there's definitely people will pay you guys because you've done the reps and the sets and you can find it much quicker Mm -hmm. than, say, they could. But I think... You're definitely right. Like, you know, competition. Every When you say the word competition, some people look at it as like, I'm in a fierce battle with these people over there. And it's, look, it may or may not be the truth. That's not what I'm trying to argue, but it's mm. more about, okay, you, the reason competition is so important is because you can find a value proposition mm. or you can find what makes mm. you different and by researching them and looking at what they do and, you know, like you said, their customers and, and so on and what can you do that they can't, you know, or, you know, yeah. and, and so like Frank Body. Like I've, I'm very in a very lucky position. I get to have wonderful conversations with amazing people, and like I look at you know um, Frank Body, uh, mm. you know clear tone of voice, speaking yeah. in a different way. Moxie, so uh, do you know Moxie? Yeah, mm-hmm. Moxie. So we had the founder of Moxie on, and same things. Like you know, she was her customer. She w- it was like you know, okay, everyone in this space is talking about it. Like you know, they're not talking about it. You know, in, the, in yeah. a certain language, and it's like you know the tin like that they come out with yeah, rather than plastic and yeah. you know tampons so being cute. all over the bag and stuff like that. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, they didn't change the product. They just wrapped it a different experience. way. They the packaging they kinda, you know, changed it. It's you know, experience. and that's where the gaps come in, I yeah. think. When you said gaps, I was like, oh, like, you know, that that's a really cool kind of And nugget. and you look at both of those founders as well and they were able to immerse in the problem because they were the target market, you know, like they they got their clientele, they got their customers. So I think there is huge merit for being a passionate founder that gets it because you are it. You yeah. Know what I mean? And I, there's this quote from Jeff Bezos that I absolutely love. And he says, if you are um, competitive focused, then you will always be, you know, sort of one step behind. But if you're customer focused, you'll be more pioneering yeah. because your customers will literally tell you what they want and need. The market will tell – they're asking for it. People people in your industry, in your category, um, if you look at their consumer behaviour, if you look at their spending, like Jade was saying, go look at reviews, go on Instagram, read comments, go ask people mm. if you're really sort of in that early phases, um, they'll tell you. And mm. I think there's a big confidence piece in backing yourself in that as well. You know, we had an incident the other day where we had a business coach that wanted to come on board with our accelerator program and Jenna was sort of like, you know, like it's cool like you know she's in the same space and I'm like yeah you know that's fine when we were at Equolution like we um, used to coach coaches and obviously mm. they're going to have the secret source and all the tools and everything like that to go and produce the service for their customers but you really have to be confident in, in the brand that you're building and the I guess the experience that, that you're that you're backing as well because there's going to be competition around yeah, everything. Yeah and like let them you know yeah. like especially in the health and fitness space there's so many like you 
you're more or less all selling the same thing. And I think people have that. So that scarcity mindset can really get you down, um, can make you sort of a bit of a punish to work with. And I think um, if someone's going to come out with a me too product, let them, mm. because by time they get the, the wheels up and running on that, you're going to be innovating yours. It's going to be even better. And it's like, you got to really just stay, keep your eye on your own prize. Yeah. Guys, if you're loving this episode, make sure to take a screenshot, give us a tag or even take a photo if you're watching it. It helps spread the love. It helps us out dramatically. Guys, I want to say a massive thank you to our major sponsors, BizCover. I was driving home the other night and I thought to myself, wow, we have so much stuff in the studio that is extremely valuable and if anything ever happened to her I would never be able to forgive myself so I needed contents insurance by the time I got home within 20 minutes I was insured there was no paperwork and it was literally one of the easiest processes I've ever gone through and that's the beauty of BizCover they'll give you the best price uh, there's no paperwork involved and it's truly so easy so whether it's public liability professional indemnity or even like me contents insurance biz covers you go to when it comes to getting your company insured and making sure uh, that nothing ever comes to get you in the future. So if you want to get your company insured and check them out, the link to their website is in the show notes. I've been a customer now for seven years and it's for good reason. Check them out. I think the two things you just mentioned there like really go hand in hand together and it's like you said that being customer focused and like one thing that I've always taken with me which I learned from someone, I can't remember who, but it's like the three C's, customer, yeah. competition, mm-hmm. company, like yeah. your internal company mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, understanding it's not about focusing on one or the other or whatever it is it's about understanding the relationship between all of those things and how they affect each other like you know the the crossover between competition and company is what can we do that they're Mm -hmm. not or you know the the, and and understanding that crossover but then um you know also give your best your best ideas out Mm -hmm. for free right because it's like information like we kind of talked about it before it's like is anyone really providing new information we are, or are we just repackaging it we you know are I mean? consumers people are hearing and seeing things and forgetting about it seconds later and so you can get everything available on google so whatever you're selling is probably already available if people know what to look for right so it's the way that you deliver it it's the it's the experience that they have so give your best ideas out for free good luck to you, to whatever you do with it. Remember that you've got that in your inbox. You know what I mean? Or remember that you watched that one episode. It's it's how you action it. It's how you mm. integrate it that really makes the difference. I agree. There's there's a lot of replicas out there today. I think the, the age of, you know, new ideas and like brand spanking new ones are – it's pretty it's a golden rare. ages. It, like, it's a it golden is pre- era. It is pretty rare. I if you get one, you're probably a billionaire. So yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's this book Zero to a Hundred, and it talks about the greatest inventions of our time happening in the golden era, golden ages, like penicillin, heart surgery, electricity, mm. and then nothing really amazing happened until you know Facebook, Google, Uber, everything in between didn't change humanity. That changed humanity. That changed mankind. And so it's like Albert Einstein says, "There's no such thing as a unique idea, just an inspired thought." Mm. So whatever idea you've got is come from a few sources of, of things that already exist so yeah. if you are obsessed or worried about competition or, yeah like yeah. who cares man yeah. just go for it i remember being in silicon valley pitching acquisition and being like it doesn't exist and then you know <laughs> it VC, will big big vcs were going but does it like is there some competitors and then when you really peel it back yeah they did you know yeah substitution <laughs> yeah at least if not talks of finding the gap right like exactly. it's literally that yeah. um so so I asked this question, uh, we had uh, Sabri Subi on the other day and, and he was amazing, but it, it's a question we haven't really asked too much, but I feel like you guys will be able to knock this out of the park. Um, what don't people know about marketing that you think holds them back? Storytelling. I think too often it's about the the glitz and the glam, the graphics and, and, and trying to portray a uh, image of you but people buy why you do things people buy who you are I think the messaging is inconsistent because they chop and change if they're not seeing the numbers I think that mm. I think that there's no, the failure to or the lack of consistency or or willingness to sort of stick with a, a message or a campaign to really as repetition is key right it's like building the muscle of your, your consumer's mind and um, I think storytelling and connection building that connection is really lost um, it's so prominent on TikTok and in 
Instagram and that's why Facebook is hemorrhaging users and, and marketing companies, unless you're sort of in distribution channels, um, have to be playing on that space. But I just think failing to tell a story what you stand for, unless you're an FMCG product and people need you and it's like toothpaste and toothbrushes and things like that, um, to have a loyal customer, like like the Frank Body community and things like that, you want to build that community and you want connection and storytelling. I've got two things on that. So that in action is a, is sort of seen between the partnership of Jenna and I. So I had followed Jenna for maybe three or four years before we she actually... She an OG. An OG. <laughs> and I, I'd followed her before she had a substantial following just back in the day sort of thing. And um, we actually only met in December. And mm. for context, like it's July. And we yeah. started a business together that's been in business for six months. Yeah. We're, the, we're in the seventh month of the year. So do the math sort of thing. But yeah. when I met her, because of her ability to tell a story on Instagram, and when I say a story, I don't mean anything that's glossed over. I mean showing up as her on her mm. Instagram. I inherently knew her before I even met her. And so that's why when we met in December, we clicked. I knew exactly what she was about and I had full confidence in splitting the pie 50-50 going into this business and I knew exactly how and why we'd be compatible. And isn't that just – I mean, okay, there's a lot of trust there to go from a – multi-million dollar company and go okay we'll go half half again and it's like you know just like a customer needs to trust you that just goes to show that you can build trust with a stranger and that's connecting to your audience and being really vulnerable and and sharing and I think it's I think brands Mm. without faces struggle to do this because they forget to put their customer first yeah put your customer on your advertising that was that was my second part as well it's just lack of being customer centric on any social media and marketing channels existing these days. People by people. Exactly. And, you know, I've had online coaches say, you know, like I'm just not getting that many leads and that many inquiries at the moment. I'm like, because you post only your workouts every day. Like where are your customers? Where are your results? Your day on a plate doesn't tell me how you can get me my result. And I think that sometimes gets lost in people just trying to do what the 1 million, 2 million following big fitness... They're the FMCG of the fitness industry. They got the, they've got the foot traffic. Like they they've got the viewers. They put anything out there. That's why half of them go and do apparel because they know if they even get 2% of their following, they've got a substantial business. Mm. Some people don't have that luxury of that many eyes on the brand. So with whatever they've got in their corner, they need mm. to connect with them. And the best way to connect is saying, you know, you've got a problem. I've got your solution. See, look at this girl. And I she understand looks just like you. you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so interesting. And do you think that this um, the, that kind of problem that founders have stems from, say, a, the time horizon that they're, they're oh, that so they have? You know, I like, think so many things. That's the one thing I think now I'm doing better than what I did previously. You know, like being in in new businesses, it's like now I know my time horizon is five yeah. years, and I'm kind of navigating my decision making that way. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, we're what a year into this now. Uh, and we're, we've kept a consistent message. Now, we're doing really well now, but, you know, there was times, like if you look at, I posted a photo of like how the podcast has grown over time. Oh, yeah. Right? And it was like, and then just, right? But nothing changed around the messaging. It was more like, you know, in terms of the core message. But I think it kind of talks to that of like, we didn't change what we were doing. We stuck to our guns for, you know, probably six months where we weren't seeing great, great results. But it was like, that time horizon, I was like, cool, we just got to stay the course here because I really yep. believe in it. Well, I have like two things on that. I think – so if you look at Netflix, in 1998, their vision statement was delivering content to people, deliver, making great content accessible. It never changed. Technology changed and the business became one of the large. it's the largest production company in the world. It's big, bigger than Hollywood essentially and they used tech to grow. But they never envisioned that they would be what they were, but they mm. stayed true to their vision and their messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, time horizon, but I also think – ego I think ego can really hold you back from growth like you have to admit what you don't know and you have to be open to asking for help and being wrong yeah I agree Mm. that's one of the things that like personally I've been noticing just around me me internally as well like self-awareness like hey are we trying to rush this too much what how does this decision affect things and so on like it's in a startup it's so hard to do because you are rushing 99 yeah, percent of the time. yeah like you just want to get there yeah 100 yeah. percent. especially when you are such a visionary like where we say having founders vision is so important it's a blessing and a curse because mm. like we see it and we're, we're there and then we're just kind of like you know you can be really it's not that you're it's not it's not so ego as such it's just you we know 
know that we're going to get there. And I get, I am super impatient. Yeah, that's why I, I really believe in, you know, the power of partnership. And I think when you're having experiences internally, that's that's where, you know, if you don't have a team or, or a mentor, you know, you go to your co-founder and, and that's where one will pull one up or, you know, just give a different perspective and clarity. And it's always been something that I've had in my past relationship in my present as well. I feel like where one's lacking, one will fill the gap with confidence and, and reminders and things like that because inevitably that is always going to happen you know life but um if you're really true to the vision and 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 the belief like a a lot of people don't turn that corner after that first stumble and they won't get back on the horse and i think that's what makes companies last or it makes them cease you know and i think that's where really you need to look around you and have people where you can say you know am i doing the right stuff like am i on to something and they'll remind you you know it's interesting right because like leadership can be portrayed as not having all the answers but i think true leadership is not being afraid to ask those people around uh-huh. you for help yeah you know, like we saying before yeah. like and also asking people if they're happy and and how how to communicate with them and what they need and and yeah definitely yeah. having great people around you that can also give you advice you know mm-hmm. and are not afraid to give you advice yeah. and you're actually willing to take that on like even now like you know because i think money's such an emotional thing like we all have different relationships with it and then we'd be silly not to think that it affects the way we make decisions in mm-hmm. business. But then having someone with an outside perspective, you know, either it's a, someone in leadership or it could be your co-founder to be like, look, no, we're okay. Like, yeah. you, you know, we don't need to go down this path or we don't need to make this decision now or, you know, this is our brand. Yeah, literally. I mean, you know, like I'm saying that because, yeah. I'm, you know, when you're yeah. talking, I'm doing the same yeah. thing. I'm like, you know... Um, it's like even being me in having a relationship my yeah, yeah. <laughs> like having my partner in the business now where she's just like there's times like there's honestly been times where I've been challenged on brand and it's like oh you know if we make this it's a little bit off brand and, and she'll be like no like we're gonna stay on brand mm. even though the money's sitting there you know and it's mm. kind of like as a founder like you know I didn't make that decision but I thought about it mm. and it was great to have someone there to pull me back and say no Sorry. we're not doing that yeah. you know what I mean and, and someone who was you know, and had the, the, I guess, the leadership skills to do that. And then I can take that on. So I think also as well, like the power of a discussion, the power of a brainstorming Mm. session, like two heads are always better than one. And whether or not you do go ahead with the decision or not, um, your energy, if it lacks or whenever you're not a hundred percent, there's also the ability to just just brainstorm and beat it it brings you back to why you started and like if if you're if i'm ever having a day where i'm just like gosh why am i doing all of this like where are we going it's yeah. so nice to be able to just you know like it's just it really keeps you in touch with the vision i think so it's like, oh, it can be quite grounding mm, i agree yeah 100 percent. okay so the next question is surrounding you know Everybody has their own philosophies on business, in my opinion. Like, everybody thinks about it in a different way. Like, mm-hmm. Ice is one guy that I think about when, you know, he's obviously very content mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. product second. Mm-hmm. You know, we can kind of work our way through. So, I'd love to hear, you know, what's the what's the big appetite philosophy? You know, how do you think about it? You know, uh, obviously, there's guiding principles that are global to business, but yeah. how do you guys personally think of it? So, right now, I think we are very product service focused for the mere reason that that community to build takes time but I'd like to see you know our main focus in the future be on community and leveraging off the different energies that all come you know within that giving the power to the people what do you want to see and letting them drive our decision making right now we're fulfilling a gap in a need of our of our, our market that has a problem you know but in future when that community builds and that brand awareness builds we are going to go through the process where the the, the table will turn and, and it will be less focused on Jenna and I and more focused on on the people that's sort of that's my philosophy mm. of successful business and I think that's something that will stay very true to yeah and I'm so excited for that like I love our clients that we work with I love seeing them get it I love seeing them grow I love watching them become online business owners not just coaches and and I would love to have a place and and connect them together and 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 really sort of drive that community base of of people who are building their business in the market and solving problems and um, being more sort of 
community focused, I guess, listening to what they they want to mm. do as well. And I think at the moment, um, we are very one on one. Like we, Jade and I, are actively servicing all of our clients individually, um, and then leaning on the team to design, develop, create, and execute. So um, it is a really beautiful phase of our business because it's not always going to be like that. We will be growing the team. So the clients that we do get to work with now, we really get under the bonnet. We're mm. so passionate about building our brand on their success. That their success is at the literally the forefront of everything that we think about all day mm-hmm. so um which i love but i also can't wait for the day that we're seeing that at a, at mm. a really big level mm. how so how important do you think community is moving forward you know what do you because for me i think it's the biggest opportunity in the next 10 years i think the way technology is moving that's what it's going to uh galvanize so so like how are you thinking along the same lines is community something that you're like every business is going to have a community in the future you know Definitely. like how are you thinking about it I, th- I think every business needs to have a community in, in some respect you know like it doesn't really matter what you do I think the you know the obvious things are where people come together on a common goal you know the the health and fitness businesses and, and things like that and then I think there's a whole other end of the spectrum like the trade community and things like that but either way it is really just people coming together forming a you know a relationship on the common denominator of they've got similarity you know mm. and it's and it's being part of something it's being heard um, and it's being facilitated by a provider that is is satisfying like all of those senses I guess you could say so I think there's a place for community in I think community is the new word for client base you know like you could have Joe's hardware store down the road and if you put them in a Facebook group where they were all sharing their DIY ideas you could inspire somebody else to do something handy around the house and then come in store and repeat buy and that's how you get buyers frenzy so there's all these like digital terms that are happening that people like bricks and mortar businesses and startups and tradies and 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 director or like physical service providers think that they can't capitalize on because they can't go online if they're not scalable and it's like well you can still capitalize on on the inspiration the adoptability of your product and service among your competitor your customers because they're always going to be more relatable than you are it's free content creation yeah that's a big one isn't it like debbie at home repots her three pot plants and she's probably going to post a photo of it but look what I did and then well it's funny Jenna's gonna get inspired it's funny you say that because I was literally just thinking about you know my mum and my mum is a huge plant enthusiast she will tell you everything about her garden looks like Bali it's literally stunning she can keep things alive which is something that I (laughs) when it comes to when it comes to plants and if if flower power had her in their community group just spokespersoning different you know plants and things like that that they've got in their yeah in their in their yard she could attract sales so just through just doing through sharing. Work. So imagine the scalability of that when you're an online direct-to-consumer business. Just imagine. Like mm. anyone in the world can see whatever it is that their person that they're in looking up to is cool doing and then go jump on and buy it. Mm. And then, you know, if you can capture them and, and connect to them and that's how you create buyer's frenzy. Yeah. It really like if you look at uh, Apple iPod or, or phone, nobody uses the earphones that come with it. They use the AirPods and they use it and then like they see you see it on the street, mm. you know, and it's like very easy to know when Apple's released a new product, obviously, because it's everywhere. But um that's on a biggest bigger scale compared to Joe's hardware, I guess. Yeah. But but like, you know, so I don't know if Joe's hardware's a thing, by the way. It might be, <laughs> I feel like it is. Shout Sorry, Joe. Joe. <laughs> Um, no, but it's so true because, like, these big companies that we're talking about, like, what do Apple do every time they launch a product? You know, they're doing a, a big event mm. where people, where your community, their community comes together. So you're mm-hmm. either a shareholder, a stakeholder, or someone who's interested in it, or someone who just wants to be around those kind of people. Mm-hmm. So, like, and they do one big product, Tesla do it. You know, they've taken that out of that playbook too. And it's kind of like, I heard David Sachs talk about it, the co-founder of PayPal, and he talks about, you know, we mentioned it before, the cadence. Mm. And it's funny, like, what he has in the cadence is once a quarter you do an event. And he goes... Oh, we'd love to do that. But he yeah. get, No, but he says, he's like, you think no one will come. He goes, that's what you think as a founder, as yeah. a startup. But he goes, yeah. trust me, it's just people come 
And he goes, the biggest thing is it brings so much attention to your business. And I think it kind of talks to the power of community in relation to brand and marketing. Definitely. I had that evident because obviously in my previous business, I had such a strong community, which I was very, very dedicated to building and very dedicated to putting time and energy into because I I really believed the success of the business were in the hands of, of those people. And we even saw patterns like, you know, we would put a new recipe within the database and we'd give it to a customer that we knew would post it and share it and everything like that. And then from that, in the next week's check-in, we'd have like dozens of people say, can I have the pasta bake that was on so-and-so's Instagram, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you turn that into like a marketing strategy, like share your, share your latest creation and we'll give you a hundred dollar, $150 Coles gift voucher for your groceries for the following week. It's the Frank body thing, isn't it? Exactly. And that imposter syndrome like I remember when I created my Facebook community group this was a while ago and I haven't been super active in there but um I went to sleep and I woke up with 1100 requests and Uh, that was a lot off at the time 40,000 followers 1100 requests is huge engagement and it grew really fast over lockdown and they were all sort of chatting amongst themselves and I remember one night I was bored in lockdown living by myself working for myself I think I had two wines and I was like (laughs) Who wants to have a wine with me? I honestly didn't even think about the power of that event. And there was like 100 heads popping up all over the world. And I'm sitting there like, what do I say? And they all sat there with no microphones and no cameras because they were so shy. So I was sitting there by myself thinking like, honestly, if anyone can talk to themselves. (laughs) But um, I remember that's when I realized like I have a community here. I have have an audience. We should get in that group. Yes, we should. (laughs) Yes, we should. (laughs) I think we're all having that, that, uh, you know, during COVID, we're all having that thought. Who wants to have a wine? Two wines. Please, I miss you. (laughs) Anyone, someone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Awesome. We're going to dive into quick fire now. So, um, this makes me nervous, Kyle. I get nervous quick. Well, you know what? Like I say, (laughs) I I need a buzzer. I think I get nervous. (laughs) I had my stepfather on once and he's like a mindset guy, but he's like, you know, he's like, what is podcasting? Like, what are you doing? This is like silly type thing. Um, not in a bad way, but he's like, I just don't get it. But yeah. then he, but then he, I said quick fine. He said like five words. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And I'm like, Think quick. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fast. Yeah, it's like, do this now. Like, like, oh, okay. um, like one word, it's like the association game, like one word responses. <laughs> yeah. But it's not that. So okay. you can talk as long as you want. We can and so on. Um, Okay, so what's the most important trait that a founder must have for success? Integrity. Grit. Do you want to start it? <laughs> we just did. We just did a step up. I just think show me, don't tell me. Like you've got your vision, you're working hard, get it done, do the work, get under the bonnet, get the help. Um, if say what you do, what you say you're going to do. Hold, be true to your promise to your customers. Um, be true to your promise to your team. Be true to your promise to yourself. Mine is mine's grit because I really believe that you're going to be put through the ringer no matter how. I think some journeys are, are smoother than others. You know, some people get different head starts, whatever that looks like. Uh, but I think that you need to have some sort of personal resilience to be able to move mm-hmm. past particular adversities in, in whatever yeah. way, shape or form they come up in. You know, I, um, I had a really interesting start to my last business because before we decided to just bootstrap and build a business that would fund a tech product we started on the traditional foot of go to silicon valley and knock on doors sort of thing Mm. and we got so many no's and you would literally as a 22 year old female who had this dream to build this app which did come to life through our own grit and determination you would you would close the book and start you know Mm. envisioning a new dream if you didn't have that in you You so I actually just said to Jade this morning in the car, you have the highest – someone said this to me once before, but I just see it in you. Like you have the highest tolerance or bandwidth for hard times and bullshit of anyone I've really ever known or seen to to then still just continue to show up and work every day. Like with everything that Jade's had going on um, professionally and personally and just to see her still showing up, you know, just showing up and getting it done and like it's like – Obviously, you know, the, the, the time is coming when, when the, the break will come, but that, that grit, that resilience, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's something that you have to have. I always think about the, the um, meme where it's like, have you seen that one on Instagram that pops up where it's the gold digger and they stop just before the gold mine? Oh, oh no. You know, like it's like they're digging a hole and then there's like two people and one of them keeps yes. digging, the other one stops like yeah. a millimetre yeah, before. I and I think that. like that's the whole idea around it's grit so and resilience yeah. and like, you know, 
stop. You just never know nothing. how close you are, you know, yeah. to, to a breakthrough. So yeah. I think that's really important. Um, so what's the one thing nobody tells you about entrepreneurship that you think everyone should know before starting? It's lonely. I think that's something that is often not spoken mm, about. Yeah. I think there's, you know, a huge focus on success and the other side of your hard work and what that looks like and what that means and growing a team and everything like that. But for the most part, there's a lot of times where the office door is shut and it's just you and a laptop and a dream, you know. And I think that that is a very real part of the reality of a startup. Even Jenna and I are so front-facing when it comes to our marketing material and our clients and things like that. But in actual fact, we're two computers at two different locations with two different individuals that start the day, you know, pretty much by ourselves and, and finish it, you know, in the same sort of way. I mean, I have a lovely, mm. loving boyfriend, but the days are quite lonely, you know. Mm. It's so true. And I think like also because like not many people actually understand what you're going through. So yeah. like the conversations you have can also almost be very hollow at times as well. Yeah. Like that's one thing I've noticed is like, it's you're having the for someone who doesn't own a business and it's like there's again nothing against like it's not like that it's more just like you get the same questions yeah how's it going and it's like how do I answer yeah good like like, it can be hard catching up with friends sometimes and I just feel like because I want to tell you but you probably don't really understand and it moves so fast that the next time I see you so much has happened and changed and changed direction that it's like you end up just giving a really like it's crazy but it's really good yeah that's literally (laughs) you know crazy busy but yeah good Simon Sinek was talking about this in the context of introverts and extroverts and and socialising and he was saying you know an extrovert gets their energy from socialising while an introvert loses their energy while socialising and I so you know felt that because I think when you're a founder like if you haven't identified with either camp you can get sucked and pulled and refilled in ways that you're not quite fully aware of until you're really self-aware you know Mm -hmm. so I think it's a lot of learning as you go as well there's like a level of competence as well in terms of that self-awareness that you understand where to put yourself and what social situations and stuff as well yeah so cool um what's something that you've changed your mind on about leadership in the last, say, two to five years? I used to believe that you needed to lead with logic and the smarts and, you know, sternness about you. And I've since sort of, I guess, crept into a more feminine kind of perspective on that. And I guess like by being a female, like just my natural maternal, which is it is okay to lead with feeling. And I think that that really distinguishes different types of leaders, the ones that can look at their staff members and say, you need a break, you need help. I know what you're good at. I know you love doing this. Let's give you more of that and allowing your team to flourish and then looking at your customers and and saying, okay, you're dissatisfied. How can we do this better? How can we do that better? You know, I think that, motion is not something that a textbook will teach you it is something that you intuitively feel and have to lean into and I think as a leader we're often told to you know put those feelings away leave them at home leave the emotion at home and now after you know going through an exit and starting a new business one new learning that I've taken with me is no fuck that Mm. (laughs) I will definitely be leading with my feelings because my intuition is the thing that teaches me where to go it's Mm. the it's the it's the compass really I think as well for me it's how to inspire creativity so that it's always a solutions-based sort of conversation and I think in, in working with so many different people that are across so many different clients and areas like the back end of the business or the frontline staff, you are actually more capable of coming up with a solution to the problem you're coming to me with than I am. You know, like I shared before, it's been a while since I sat in the back of a CRM platform or anything like that. But um, from a strategic point of view, I can always think of a solution. But if you're if someone is coming with a problem, it's like, I know that you are able to think of what I'm able to think of. I just want to help you think of it first. And that's where it's really about learning that person as an individual and, and, and learning how to empower them when there's no problems so that they're able to sort of think creatively and giving them the confidence to to make decisions and and the trust on the spot as well I think in the past I was always kind of like um 
not a micromanager but because I was always a one-man show I was doing everything I knew how it had to be done I knew how I liked it done um, and when you're building a brand around yourself as well it's like very easy to sort of be very robotic with that or, or rigid and I think it's like also about learning what do they think looks good like they're listening to your customers they're they're using your systems you need to empower them and trust them because the more you trust them the more empowered they are mm. Mm. there's like a, a really good relationship between the way you communicate and giving that power to someone and then mm-hmm. seeing them grow and often sometimes it can be hard to realize that you're a lot of the time you can take that power and you can also take the confidence mm. once you do that mm-hmm. you know what i mean so um i think both of those answers were, were, were amazing um We're going to wrap it up. I want to say a massive thank you. I think that was another smashed out of the park episode. (laughs) Um, It's always good to catch up with you girls. Yeah. Where can everyone find Big Appetite and and yourselves? And we'll give it a little plug. So website www.bigappetite.com. Feel free to send an inquiry and we'll get in touch in regards to building a business. And on Instagram, big.appetite. That's like appetite, but with a U, hungry for growth, upward trajectory. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget it. I think, look, by listening to this, you know it's going to be great. So go check it out. Um, thank you again. Thank Donnie, you. thank you for putting this together, the great man. Thanks, Donnie. Uh, always Thanks, hard man. on the road. We get it done. Um, and to our, our listeners, the support has been absolutely wild over the last month, two Let months, three months, yeah, four months, five Let months. Let us know if you love it. <laughs> um, so just a massive thank you to you guys for everything. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>